Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I know I say every time I'm excited, but sometimes I don't mean it. But today I really do mean it because it's my girlfriend, Grace Young. Okay, this is such a wonderful, wonderful podcast for there's so many things to learn from Grace. Okay, that's all I can tell you. She has been influential in my life, and I'm just so glad that she could spend some time with us today. Hello, Miss Grace. Hello, Miss Denise. What a treat. What a treat this is. Now, if you don't know who Grace is, then you need to go to graceyoung.com. Her website has her books. There are videos. There are recipes. She is really the walk guru. Now, let me tell you one thing. I met Grace at IACP. I mean, I say this on every single podcast because IACP in the days before the internet and stuff was how other cookbook authors and food people met each other. Now, I meet Grace and find out that she grew up in San Francisco. I'm from San Francisco. Grace's father sold liquor to grocery stores and to restaurants, right, Grace? Exactly. And my father had grocery stores and, you know, sold meat to many, many, and butcher shops in San Francisco. But then what I couldn't believe is one of Grace's first jobs, and I want you to talk about it, Grace. She was working in Mill Valley, weren't you assisting Stevie Bass, who was a famous food stylist in those days? Yes, yes. I was working in the grocery store at the bottom of Mount Tam in Shoreline Market, and I used to check Grace out at the grocery store. Now, what are the odds of that? Um, <laughs> we were separated at birth, for sure. We have known this, Grace and I, just we. We get each other, and we know each other. So, Grace, is that how you decided to get into food? Uh, Stevie Bass, for sure, for wow. sure. I know. I was really lucky in high school. They had our, our counselor, um, Marty Hack, who I recently found on Facebook, had a special program uh, called uh, a, a senior internship. So whatever you were, whatever field you were interested in going into, she got you a job. And I was the only one who was interested in food. That was very peculiar in those days. And she got me an internship program at Dole Pineapple. Oh my and God. Dole, and Dole Pineapple in turn introduced me to a woman named Kay Murphy O'Flynn, who was an old style PR and she concentrated on food clients. And Kay Murphy O'Flynn introduced me to Stevie Bass. And Stevie Bass worked out of her home in Mill Valley. And I would take the bus across the Golden Gate Bridge, leaving my traditional Cantonese family and the fog would lift. And I would be in this sunny, warm environment. And I worked in this beautiful house and we would go out on the deck to taste the recipes that I tested. Oh my. <laughs> God. And yeah. she trained me like no other. Oh, I mean, okay. she really taught me how to do recipe development yes. and run a recipe test like an, a lab experiment. When I met Stevie Bass, so I'm working at the Shoreline Market at the bottom of Mount Tam. And I had worked for Cala Foods for years, Grace, because my father sold his markets to Cala. See, Cala had bought his four markets in Marin County. I wasn't planning on going to culinary school then because, of course, I was married to my first husband who was going to support me in a lavish lifestyle for the rest of my life. Why work? Okay. Poor thing. I was just lost. But 
I'm working there and she came in and she always bought beautiful groceries and she bought beautiful wines. And I would say to her, what do you do with all this food? And she said, I'm a food stylist and I do recipe development and I have tastings. And she used to invite the handsome blonde haired butcher with big blue eyes, Mike, to her tastings. He of course cut special meat for and stuff. There was nothing hanky panky about it, Grace. She just was looking for a guy with a good appetite and she was smart. And he would come back and tell me about these meals. And I thought, what's a food stylist? Do you know what I mean? It was just so amazing to me. And there you were. Wow, so you found out about food styling because of Stevie Bass? Yes! Oh my God, oh my God. And I found out about food styling and recipe development because of Stevie Bass. Exactly. And years later, Grace, years later, she came, showed up in an ICP. By this time, I'd been styling and stuff. And I said hello to her. She couldn't have been nicer. She looked exactly the same. I think they'd moved to New Mexico. Exactly. Or yes. And she was as gracious as can be. I'm sure she didn't have a clue who I was, but it didn't matter. She was very gracious. And you know, recently I did a piece on NPR about the reopening of Chinatown in New York City, okay. uh, phase two, and she heard me and she sent me an email. And so we spent about two hours on the phone. And the last time I saw her was at IACP, I want to say like, seven ten years we haven't seen we haven't been in contact for a while okay. and it was like it just was just back together incredible now, so grace and i recently at icp they have started a new program where they induct existing books into their classic culinary classics and they inducted grace's now that was your first book wasn't it the breath of the walk no not no, it's, okay it's the second it's the second. Okay. But the breath of the walk, again, anyone who's listening, if you don't know this book, you, it's only what had 12, 13 printings, Grace. I mean, it's like one of, it's really, that's why IACP gave them an, gave Grace an award. It's brilliant. It's one of my favorite books, Grace. I mean, it's beautiful. And of course you're a fabulous writer, but Anyone listening, they might want to um, look on Grace's website for all of her books. But I go to Santa Fe at the same time, IACP, having their yearly conference. I hadn't signed up for the conference, but I was there with girlfriends. I walk into the George O'Keefe Museum and sitting on a bench in the middle of the theater is Grace Young. And we, I sat down next to her like we'd seen each other yesterday, the day before. Like so, we planned the date. Like we planned the date. So I just feel like I, I'm a blessing in my life. Is I, Grace just seems to drop into my life whenever I need her. Now, and speaking of that, we are going to have Grace on as a, a guest again. And she's going to give us tips about the walk. And if you've never cooked with a walk or buying a walk, because she's an expert. And if you don't know that, Grace, I will you have to go to her website and you have to watch The Walk Therapist, which is a short video that Grace did. And now, Grace, how did that come about? Well, I would say for years and years and years, I've been getting emails from uh, people who pour out their heart and soul to me and they just bought their walk and they're scared to season it or they bought the walk seasoned it and they're sure they did something wrong and could they and now because of email and text messages and my website and facebook and twitter 
they send me photographs and they're always uh walk anxious walk phobic walk neurotic um and they ask me all these questions you know like um i made the most delicious stir fry but uh the top edge of my walk has it's not the same color as the rest of the walk so what can i do to make it all look the same or why hasn't it gotten black yet because i've seen a photograph of your walk in your cookbook and you know i've been cooking with my walk almost like every week for the last month and it doesn't look like yours yet and it takes years to develop a black ebony patina right but we live in a very impatient society absolutely we want everything instantaneously so for years i've been answering these emails and writing to people and at first i wrote back very very seriously you know i explained exactly what's going on it's carbon steel which is an iron metal and so therefore if there's any moisture that's why it's rusted and all you have to do is take a scrubby and clean it out but then i started realizing that they just needed some denise vivaldo kind of like uh guidance and and so i i started saying things like you know good things in life take time you know like it's your walk is not going to become black overnight it takes time to acquire that patina or you shouldn't be so judgmental no. you know like if the if the walk is cooking and nothing is sticking why are you so focused on the appearance of your walk you yeah. know i think these must be really bad parents they must be looking at their children saying why don't you look like you know brad pitt why is it that you know you don't have bangs i don't know what it is so anyway and so for years i've been doing this and uh it's my secret life it's as a walk therapist and wow. so i had this idea for the the video and i didn't know if it was brilliant or really really stupid okay <laughs> i'm going to tell you something it's brilliant i've watched it i don't know a dozen times Okay. Now I just watched it before we got on. And also your line in the sweetest voice. It's not good to compare. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big statement in life, isn't it? Right? It is. Everything about your walk is really a metaphor for life. Like give it a rest. Just just keep on walking and don't concentrate on the details because if you do you're going to get yourself into big big trouble. Oh god grace had we only he could have told me that earlier <laughs> maybe the day before i married my first husband oh well i'm not bitter anymore it's been years of therapy <laughs> and he died so what's the point anymore okay i know i could barely remember his first name now <laughs> let me say one thing there are uh, recipes there's videos there's the walk therapist but here's something that I think that's really important. I saw Grace, all 100 pounds of her, is trying to save New York's Chinatown. And I'm not making light of it. I know how much this means to you, Grace, because, well, tell us about it, how you went about making these videos that I got to just watch from posterhouse.org. Right. So um, in, since January, Chinatown has been hurting. Uh, I would say since March, 
all restaurants throughout the United States, Chinese and non-Chinese restaurants have been hurting. But Chinatown restaurants have been hurting since January because uh, the moment uh, coronavirus started, local Chinese knew that you had a shelter in place. So local Chinese weren't supporting local stores and restaurants. And then, of course, uh, flights stopped coming in from China, so there were no Chinese tourists. And after a while, there were no tourists. And then because of a lot of the language that's being put out there, uh, calling this the Chinese virus, people were scared to come down to Chinatown. So a lot of businesses have been hurting. Their businesses dropped 20, 30, 50, 70%, even by January. And so in February, Food and Wine magazine, very, um, were, uh, they were just terrific. They asked me to write an essay about what was happening in Chinatown. And they said, Kat Kinsman said, you know, we want to get our readers to support Chinatown. So write whatever you want to. And so I went down to Chinatown and I did these interviews and they sent me down with their photographer and we went to some of the classic famous restaurants and took photographs. And basically I wrote this article that said, Chinatown is in trouble and they don't need your help like going down for a meal once a month. We all need to go down there two, three, four times a week and not just have a meal but we need to support all the different little businesses. You know, get your watch repaired down there, repair your shoes, buy your groceries, take a massage. Um, there's a little mom and pop stores where you can buy houseware items. So not just about eating. And it was great because a lot of people weren't aware about how much Chinatown was hurting. And by reading through my social media and the article, you know, people started going down to Chinatown. And in March, there's a wonderful new museum in New York City. It's one year old called Poster House, and they specialize in posters. And they had just opened this exhibition called The Sleeping Giant, which is vintage Chinese posters. So they approached me and asked if I would do some food, cultural food lectures in conjunction with this um, exhibition. And I said yes. And they opened the exhibition. It lasted for 10 days, and then de Blasio shut down all of New York City. And because they are a brilliant museum, they have a fabulous director named Julia Knight. Julia came to me, or or called, and we had this conference call, and she said, we have this wonderful exhibition that no one can see, and we want to do something. We know that Chinatown is hurting to support the Chinese community. What can we do? And so I said, well, I had this idea that I've been thinking about that I'd like to go down to Chinatown and record videos, oral histories of what is happening right now with Chinese restaurant owners and small businesses, mom and pop shops in Chinatown and record them in video form and just to get a pulse of what's going on. And Julia said, you do that and we'll post them on our website. And so... They, we had this conversation March 13th. March 14th, I go down to Chinatown to set up these interviews. No one wants to be interviewed. For Chinese people, this is a thing of losing face to talk about business is bad, things aren't going right. Um, but I did get one interview set up with a Chinese Malaysian, uh, a Malaysian French restaurant owned by Mei Chow. And the restaurant is called Oze Peace. 
Okay. So I come back home. I put out an Instagram post that says, I need a videographer who will help me do this. And this wonderful young guy, Dan On, says, I'm willing. So he meets me at Oze Peace the following day, Sunday. And we only have one interview set up. And uh, May is just full of um, determination and positive energy. She's going to do this. She has a kitchen with housewives who are the cooks. It's a small little restaurant, but she is just ready to go. And as we're finishing this very positive, upbeat interview, I get a text message from someone I know in Chinatown who says, the owner of Hop Key, who I'd interview for food and wine, is willing to let me do an interview. He says, come over right now. He's just interviewed the New York Times, and he'll let you do this. And so we have this interview, and it is, all of us had tears in our eyes. The restaurant had been open since 1968, started by his father. And he says, today is the last day. And I don't know if we're reopening. And it was, we walked into the kitchen. The walks are quiet. There are no tables that are occupied in this restaurant. It was, it was heart-wrenching. So we did four restaurants. In the end, we ended up doing four restaurants and one shop. And um, one of the um, managers, restaurant managers from Wohop, said that he was going to keep, on, keep his restaurant open, but with reduced hours. Um, but he said to me, 70% of Chinese restaurants in Chinatown are closing tomorrow. So it was, in fact, the last day Chinatown was open as we know it. And since then, Chinatown is not the same at all. So it was this moment in time, moment probably in time, Grace. living history. And then after we finished these interviews, a few hours later, de Blasio shuts all restaurants down in New York City. And so May Chow from Oze Peace closes. You could stay open for takeout. And she tried takeout for one or two days, and then she shut down. And then we went in and interviewed her four days later. And she, she had been so upbeat and positive. And then she was like, this is worse than 9-11. Of course. So I've been monitoring this, and we've shot two more interviews since then. And I've been going into Chinatown and just with my own camera documenting Chinatown for much of March, April, and beginning of May was a ghost town. Empty streets, no cars. It it was um, a few stores were still open. A few restaurants were open for takeout. But um, it's been a very painful time. And not just Manhattan's Chinatown. That's Chinatowns throughout the country, Chinese restaurants throughout the country, Chinese stores, um, uh, establishments that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years, closing. I know that I was so funny, Grace, again, timing. I was in San Francisco at the end of February, beginning of March. Where I stay, I walk down Sutter and then go into Chinatown. Okay, of course, I've been going there since I was a child. And I was with one of my best friends from Marin. And I kept saying to her, why is it so quiet here today? Because the San Francisco Chinatown that I know is bustling. And there's cars honking because people double park. I mean, it's bustling. And it was, and I went, of course, to your friends, the walk shop. Um, But it 
that it was the tip of the iceberg exactly like you saying that january was already slowing down here so people were sheltering in place people were getting misinformation about you know uh the coronavirus so i saw that in san francisco but all i could think about grace is some of those little places have been there since i was a child i've been seeing the ducks hanging in the window since i was a child and also um the, the kitchenware stores i mean all of it and I, of your friend with the, on the walk shop, how long has she been there? For 40 or 50 years? 52 years. Yes. 52 years. And she remained open throughout COVID. She's going to be 82 in August. And I called her to say, now you're not leaving the, your house to even go shopping. Promise me, Tane. Not only did she not care what the hell I had to say, she went into the store seven days a week throughout COVID. Of course you did. With limited hours. I understand. <laughs> but honey, this is, it, the reason it touches me so much what you've done with the videos is it's not just Manhattan. It's, you know, that if people know the immigration and the history of Chinese people, of all immigrants, of Italians, of the Irish, of different people that have come to America. But I, I mean, I've never been in a big city that doesn't have a Chinatown. Workers and created their own cities they created their own so it's a it's such a serious subject grace i'm so proud of you we now we're in a lockdown phase of number two again and i think of all the people not just in chinatown but across the country that are out of work see my husband's never been in the restaurant business grace so when i it, when this first happened i kept saying this will decimate the restaurant business and people don't realize a billion people work in some way in the restaurant business. They sell them liquor, they buy their meats, they, it's the paper cups, it's the paper napkins, it's everything. It's the bus boys. Yeah. So I, I think we just have to have a little faith that this is going to work out. We're trying to do what we can, but we have to have some faith that it's going to come back. People will never not want restaurants, Grace. That's what I, people want to eat out. But we need more than faith. We need, we need people to get, to have money to go and spend it in these restaurants. I agree. Yeah. And that's tough. It's that's very tough. I have found, unfortunately, money comes in handy. <laughs> what does Mel, Mel Brooks says? It's good to be the king. <laughs> exactly. You know, I always like it when I am with, when I've been with, literally a multimillionaire or a billionaire and they say things to me like I've been poor and when they do that Steven Spielberg actually said that to me once he said Denise I've been poor I said when <laughs> I would like more details on that poorness <laughs> wow I, I would like to know do you have any pictures of when you were poor <laughs> I, I need more of that backstory because uh you've done all right now Grace, so has the museum, is Poster House going to be able to hang on? Oh, I think Poster House uh, is, will be doing fine. And um, I just have so much admiration for them because they pivoted so quickly and jumped in there to help Chinatown. And in a way, these videos are a variation on a poster. Because of course they are. They're educating, they're bringing awareness they are getting the message out there of what's going on. And yeah. 
we live in such a video society now, honey, in such a fast moving people. I love videos. See, I went to your website just to make sure I had the correct titles of a couple of things. And then I was totally sucked into your videos and watched them and loved it. Now, I do want to say one thing. I told you to do videos years ago wow. at Nathan Fong's dinner party and you brushed me off between the salad and the appetizer like said, oh, I'm not interested in that. And see, I was right. I could, I could be your talents. I'm a talent scout. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. I can't uh, believe you, you know remember what? that. Grace, what's interesting about my brain, the good news and the bad news, I don't know what I, when I ate it uh, last time I ate or what I did yesterday, but I remember exchanges like that with friends. You know what I mean? I'm like a minor bird. That's all I can tell you. Now, please tell us the names of your other books. My first book is The Wisdom of the Chinese Kitchen. Then I wrote The Breath of the Walk, and my collaborator is Alan Richardson, who took all the beautiful photographs and designed the book. And then I wrote Stir Frying to the Sky's Edge. That's right. Now, the, bre the Breath of the Walk, one of the reasons I just say this again to repeat it, when a book can have 12, 13, 200 printings and still be timely, that is a culinary classic. Okay, that's ex it's extraordinary. It makes me happy, Grace. It makes me so very happy because I know how it was hard. It's all hard work. Writing books, you know, the throwaway line when you're at parties. I'm sure people say this to you. Oh, I've always wanted to write a cookbook. They say it to me all the time. I go, and do it. And then they go, well, I'm not sure how to get started. I said, you put your butt in the chair and you just start typing. Okay. And all the other things, all the sharks and all the, the icebergs and all of the things that are going to hit your little boat as you're diving, don't worry, you're going to get there. But it's so much more difficult than people imagine. And that your book is, your books have been stayed in print for so long. Thank well, you. madam, I cannot thank you enough for sharing time with us today. I've loved it. <laughs> when I was young, when we were hippies, <laughs> I bought my very first walk. It cost $2.22. It cost plus. Can you believe that? And of course, I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't know that I would need a walk ring. <laughs> I mean, if I didn't have, I didn't have a gas stove. I lived in a little condo. But I loved it because I realized you could feed a lot of people off, uh, you know, a head of cabbage and a head of, celery and some vegetables and a tiny bit of meat it's genius it's a genius pan through the history of the world it's genius well what on our next time together you will talk to more about the genius of the walk please absolutely please you can reach out to grace she stays up all night long answering <laughs> emails at graceyoung.com look look at her website you won't you will be grateful that i mentioned it because it's there's so much information there well thank you miss grace uh, if you want to reach cindy and i you go to womenbeyondacertainage.com we archive all of the podcasts and information there and you can always reach out to us at womenbeyond at icloud.com thank you grace thank you miss cindy thank you love it bye bye right on time how did we do that how did